Hi, welcome to Research in Focus, a podcast exploring the work of Latrobe researchers. I'm Lauren Gorn. We might think of social media as a way of staying in touch with friends and family and sharing pictures of our pets, but it also has an important role in providing new pathways to political and social activism. Monica Winanita is a research officer in the ARC Discovery and Linkage New Beats project, whose research focuses on online media and digital activism in Indonesia. Monica, welcome to Research in Focus. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having me here and talk about my project. Your work focuses on the uh, Indonesian context, and we have an election coming up in Indonesia in 2019. Yes. So why is online activism so important in this election? Well, it has been proven in the previous election in 2014 that the current Indonesian president, Jokowi, he won the vote because he did such a good social media campaign. Right. And these were mainly volunteers. So he got a lot of people and um, particularly those who are in the diaspora, uh, about 90% voted for him. And the focus was on social media and youth vote. So that's what happened in 2014. And, and what's coming up in 2019, which is really interesting, is they are courting more women's vote. Okay. And so my research is really looking at how Indonesian women then use the online platform to have their sort of gender campaigns, equality campaigns uh, to be heard during this election. You know, this is a particularly great time to air what um, they want in terms of their rights. Yeah. The election of Jokowi was a lot of parallels were drawn with Barack Obama in terms of being, you know, this young, very charismatic uh, person who maybe doesn't come from a traditional political uh, family or traditional yes. political background, but harnessed social media really effectively. What were some of the ways that he did that in 2014? So again, it was getting the volunteers. So it doesn't look like a slick campaign. So his opponent, Prabowo, you know, had the most professional and high-paying kind of social media campaign. And you can tell that it was really slick campaign. You know, this was done with a lot of money. So unlike Jokowi, Prabowo comes from a family with money. So... And he, he put a lot into the social media campaign then. Well, Jokowi's one looks like a grassroots, you know, so you have volunteers, people, young people, um, some academics and, you know, um, civil society organization. Um, and they, they got behind him and they did their campaign online. So you can feel, you know, the heart in it. <laughs> I suppose so you can. Authenticity is really yes, important in these yes, kind of yes. campaigns. Yes, yes. And so your work focuses specifically on how women use social media. What are some of the ways that women in Indonesia are using social media to participate in digital activism and maybe in democracy in a way that they didn't used to? So what is really interesting with the digital landscape at the moment, in media particularly, that um, a lot of the traditional media, print media, uh, television, radio, they're not doing really well, not just in Indonesia, but everywhere. Yep. So my work with New Beats really looked at 
journalist who became redundant in Australia as well as in in Indonesia. So in this sort of landscape, because uh, everyone's getting their news from online, from the digital world, Indonesian women who were journalists in traditional media, uh, in newspapers, major newspapers, now they turn towards creating their own um, online media. So what my research found is that there, there are these sort of uh, online media that targets specifically women and mm-hmm. they have stories about gender issues and also that target women and minorities. Okay. So Indonesia is a country that's made up of a very diverse population. Yes. It's very yes. it's a very large population in a relatively small area yes. with lots of diversity. Yes. Yeah, so there's about 300 different ethnic groups. So that's a lot, 300 different ethnic groups, and it's the world's fourth largest, uh, most populous nation. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way you can <laughs> describe it. And it has the largest uh, Muslim majority, so about 90% of Indonesians are Muslim as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so are you finding that these are women who might have previously not directly created media or actively spoken in in large arenas are now using social media to reach audiences or connect with other women that they might not otherwise have done so previously? Yes, a mix of women. So there are particularly I'm doing uh, interviews with journalists, so Indonesian female journalists who used to work in the traditional media and because they don't have that job anymore mm-hmm. then they create their own online media so these are uh, outlets such as very well known Magdalene so they, they would produce stories about women newspaper kind of stories in both English and Indonesian so to also reach that, that kind of international audience and then there are others who are also um, artists okay. so uh and they want it to be part of the Me Too movement. And so they created uh, an artist collective and then they have this sort of forum um, to online as well. Mm-hmm. So people can see their um, more feminist activism through either artwork or literary um, as well as there's online groups such as Jakarta Feminist Discussion Groups that help organise marches, for example, during the um, Women's Day march in March. (laughs) They um, use the hashtag MeToo and they march for women's rights, but these are women from all sorts of different backgrounds. So there's disabled women, there's um, uh, the LGBTIQ group, and then there's women who are talking about... um, migrant women's rights so Indonesian women who go overseas to work and so there's there's large cohort about yeah so they're connecting with local Mm. issues but they're also connecting with uh, larger international issues as well yes yes so they use social media for example uh, and use the hashtag me too but then they translate it into Indonesian so there are two quite popular hashtags there's um Hashtag uh, talk about it. The, the English version or in Indonesian, it's hashtag mulai bicara, which was which was a hashtag before even hashtag me too. So they already talk about 
uh, gender issues and gender violence um, before the Me Too. But okay. then, yeah. so they're drawing the larger international conversation into the yes, local domestic into the local. conversation. Yes, yes. So that the government can li- can hear them. So if you if you march and then you use hashtag Me Too and you put there uh, on social media hashtag Me Too as well as the Indonesian one. Um, hashtag moving together and then hashtag let's talk about it. You get that kind of momentum and you get the social media sort of hits and then you go on there in the streets and then you get the exposure you want for uh, gender issues. So gender issues around women's rights in terms of access to employment or yeah, safety? So it's, or? it's all sorts of, that's the interesting thing about Indonesia. So it's not about only about um, women who are uh, sexually abused in the workplace, for example. Which is the crux the of the Me, me Too, too yes. So they actually use the hashtag to talk about all sorts of inequality issues for women. Right. So disability, work, employment, um, violence against women. So all of that. And then they were able to align <laughs> with other movements under this hashtag Me Too, so... It's right. a very Indonesian kind of cultural way of um, including everyone. <laughs> it's right. a very, yes. So it's rather not, than having separate hashtags for each individual yeah. issue, everyone comes together. Yeah, and I think what was really interesting with the hashtag MeToo, it's very much individualised MeToo, yep. but when you translate it into Indonesian, what they use is that hashtag moving together, and that actually translates better Right. In Indonesia. So it's not just about my own story. It's let us all together talk about all sorts of issues and that works. Yep. Journalists in Australia have embraced social media to distribute and gather news. Um, You've mentioned that journalists who no longer have traditional journalism roles are using social media, but how are journalists who are still maybe with traditional print publications or, or television using social media as part of their work in Indonesia. Is that something that's happening or is it mostly these journalists who've moved on from the industry? I think the ones that are working still in the traditional media would have the same kind of expectations as Australian journalists. So no longer are they only writing uh, articles, they also have to then promote it and then they have to promote themselves, they have to have following so there's a lot more that the journalists have to do. They may have to take their own photos and post it on social media. So the digital kind of landscape of media is the same or very similar, say, to right. Australia. What is interesting is how the ones that are no longer have the job are um, finding niches in Indonesia to talk about gender issues, which they may not be able to in traditional media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Social media transcends national boundaries, and we saw that with the way that Indonesian women have taken on the Me Too hashtag. But it also allows um, people in the diaspora communities to maybe participate in what's happening in local Indonesian politics in a way that they maybe couldn't have with only traditional media to access. Are you finding that a lot of people in Australia and other Indonesian diaspora communities are also kind of connecting with this online social media uh, activism? Absolutely. I think um, the ones in the diaspora are creating their own sort of camp. So if they're pro-Jokowi, they've got their own social media group for it and pro-Prabowo, and they're very, very active. Right. Because uh, Indonesian 
citizens in the diaspora, if they still remain citizens, they can vote. So, for example, like myself, I am still an Indonesian citizen, but, but permanent resident of Australia, and right. so I can vote here. And uh, there is a um, very strong campaign for both sides in the diaspora, and they're very active, and they're also active offline as well. So they use the online to organize things offline, even in the diaspora. Yeah. How do you see this playing out ahead of the 2019 election? Well, I think it's a little bit more um, complicated than 2014. Okay. Because in 2014, there was this momentum that was happening with Jokowi, the president. You know, he was um, successful getting the vote to become in Jakarta, Indonesia's capital city mayor, and again, using social media campaign. And, you know, he was seen as, uh, like Obama at that time, there's hope. I think Obama used the okay. term hope, you know, there's yeah. hope. And now, after he's been president for a while, and this is, he's going to be second term, uh, there was a, quite a, a bit of disappointment <laughs> to that hope. So it's a bit more complicated. People had a lot of hope pinned on Jokowi. So, yeah, in terms of the diaspora, he had a lot of vote from the diaspora, 90%. So we... We're not sure now how it will play out. Um, there is, uh, you know, a strong diasporic kind of um, social media campaign as well for, for his uh, opponent. And his opponent's very savvy now. The social media is hashtag change the presidency. So right. just one, and it has um, a lot of following. And, yes, yeah, so it builds on that probably disappointment to the hope that everyone expected of Jokowi. I guess it's hard for Jokowi to continue to trade on his authenticity after five years in office. A lot of that grassroots goodwill is hard to maintain across that time period. Yes, Even yes. Even though he was an outsider politician, he's now as, as much of an insider as you can possibly be having been the president. Yes, but what is really interesting about social media as well is that it feeds on um, that online kind of uh, what a lot of researchers call algorithmic enclave. <laughs> so right. if you are pro-Jokowi and you like Jokowi's um, or articles pro-Jokowi, you're only going to get articles pro-Jokowi. The same if you're pro-Prabowo. So you're in this kind of bubble yep. where... The algorithms uh, just feed you yeah, what you want to see. Yeah, feeds you. What you, so you can become more and more emotionally involved and... Um, Except, for example, fake news about the other one because it feeds on that that uh, group mentality. Yeah. So. Is there a lot of dissemination of inauthentic or perhaps untrue information through these social media campaigns? Yes, actually, uh, there is. Um, the The most well known one was actually about. Jokowi's deputy mayor of Jakarta called Ahok, who is Chinese, Indonesian and Christian. Mm -hmm. So he's now in jail for blasphemy. Okay. And he was in jail for blasphemy because when he was running uh, to become Jakarta's mayor, so when Jokowi became president, then he automatically became mayor and then there was an election. Mm -hmm. So when he tried to um, then campaign... There was in his one of his campaign speech that was uh, captured on video. He was saying that uh, my opponent said that Muslims should not be governed by non-Muslim. 
But then that was edited uh, in YouTube. Right. So it was like he was uh, against that kind of. Um, oh, they just kept the Muslims should not be governed by non-Muslims or something. Yeah, and that that was actually uh, from a particular religious text. Right. So it was as as if he was blaspheming against that religious text. Right. That was what it was edited, and then he's in jail for it. And this went viral, and um, people knew it was edited, but it didn't matter. It was the emotion that's attached to the fact that he um, was uh, blaspheming or, or considered blaspheming, or you know that he's from a minority Christian Chinese background. Yeah. So it became, yeah, that social media played a big role, and. Um, even though it was, you know, edited and then it went viral. <laughs> yeah, so he there are, him in jail there are <laughs> for two years. Political dangers to yeah, relying absolutely. on social media as much as there are benefits for some players. Yeah, and I think that that's also what uh, my research, particularly with Dr. Nasha Buffen in uh, the same department, we're looking at digital citizenship amongst Australian Indonesians mm-hmm. and digital literacy coming up to the campaign, political campaign, you know, uh, particularly, you know, the emotion and uh, whether they understand whether this fake news or not yeah. um, while they're in the diaspora. Fascinating. Yes. And this is leading up to the 2019 election? Yes, in April. Yes. Great. It'd be very interesting to find out what you discover about that. Thank you very much, Hey, Thank you very much for coming on Research in Focus. Research in Focus is a La Trobe University podcast produced by Laurie Zion and Lauren Gorn. Support for this podcast comes from La Trobe University's Transforming Human Societies Research Focus Area. This podcast is edited by Max Robbins and Margaret Purdom and hosted by Upstart. Our music is Bright Future by Silent Partner. Music